And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, welcome back to this special Friday edition. Um, I know that it, it seems like I've been doing a lot of Fridays lately. Um, it's just because we lost a podcast. So there's an open on Fridays, and I've been trying to fill it. Uh, we do have a, a, a show that is being put together uh, and hopefully it will be launched sometime, I'm hoping by December. If not, then definitely by the beginning of 2020. Uh, I can't really talk much about it. Uh, it, it it's going to be something, the way I see it, is it'll be, if, if anybody remembers the old radio show, Dr. Demento, um, I I kind of have that feel to it. Now, I don't have any any fingers in the the iron, as it were. Um, I just I I've well, let's see. I'm getting ahead of myself. He, the gentleman who's going to be, and I use the term gentleman loosely. Um, <laughs> he's been a friend of mine for gosh, like 13, 14 years. And he is doing a podcast right now over at the world of myth. And it's become so popular. I think that the transition to the Jason Modcast podcast network is going to be, it's going to be a hit. I really see it as a hit. And if you anybody knows, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and spoil it and announce it, is um, if anybody goes to the World of Myth, www.theworldofmyth.com, it's an online literary magazine, and you'll see it, it's a podcast, and it's called The Myth Master Unleashed. Now, Myth Master has been with the World of Myth magazine for, like I said, years and his thing originally was that he interviewed members of our alumni, of, of the World of Myth alumni. And, you know, whether it be artists or writers or poets, he would interview them. But with the, the, the new uh, show, I'm trying to think of how, how to explain it, it's, it's going to be instead of writers and artists from the world of myth, it's going to be celebrities that is being lined up for him. And like I said, it's it, to me, it's very, I think it's going to be very Dr. Demento-esque type of show. And I'm really excited to, to have him be a part of our, our Jason Modcast podcast network, but everything's being put together and it needs to be put together correctly. So it's not being rushed. And, it will, like I said, hopefully it'll be sometime in December, if not definitely in the beginning of 2020. Since I'm talking about the world of myth, if anybody listens to this show and knows of the world of myth magazine, um, today, this moment, today, uh, November 15th, is the deadline for submissions. And we are still open. Until the end of the day, 11.53 p.m. And we will take, I mean, we, we, we're open to anything and everything. Whether it be the, the shorts, um, drabbles, I believe they're called. There, there, there's something new that's been introduced into my world, drabbles. And I guess they're like a hundred world, hundred words. So neither it be flash fiction, drabble, uh, Traditional short story, which is anything less, well, between like 500 and 3,000. Uh, and we cover the genres of fantasy, horror, sci-fi, action, adventure, and humor. Um, 
plus we we do poetry art reviews movie reviews art reviews book reviews if you have anything like that and you want to kind of send it over and see if it gets accepted send it to our editor-in-chief at the world of myth magazine stephanie barty and her email is simply as that stephanie barty at the world of myth.com and she'll take a look at it and send it over okay so it seems like i got a little bit of housekeeping to do today huh um also we are working vigilantly on filling pce now if you've not heard me talk about pce pce is jaisalman's pop culture expo which takes place february 8th 2020 uh at the High Desert Toyota Pavilion in Victorville, California. Doors open to the public at 10 a.m. and closes at 9, or no, not 9, 6 p.m. Um, and then we will follow thereafter, like an hour later, I want to say it was like 7 p.m. We are starting the, the Hall of Fame ceremony and dinner. Uh, so check that out. But what we are looking for is vendors. So if you are someone, you own a company, you got a ton of comic books that you want to sell, you got a ton of old books that you want to sell, and you are in the high desert area, which is, you know, I, I see in the high desert area. If you're an hour out, neither anyway, you know, east, east or west, or well, specifically more north and south because um, of Highway 15. Or highway, good grief, Interstate 15, the I-15. Um, so if you're down in the San Bernardino area or the Rancho Cucamonga area or you're out towards uh, like Lytle Creek area, come on, give me a call. Um, well, actually, you know what? Better yet, instead of giving me a call, give me uh, – go to www jayzomons j-a-y-z-o-m-o-n-s popcultureexpo.com click on application it tells you everything that you need to know fill that bad boy out scan it back in and email it and we will reserve a table for you and hopefully i'll be there well i better be there i'm, I'm throwing the thing um but I'll, I'll get the, the email, and we will get things into motion. And again, that is www.jayzomons, J-A-Y-Z-O-M-O-N-S, pop, P-O-P, culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E, expo, E-X-P-O, dot com. Okay, so now we are almost eight minutes into the show. And I think that's all of the housekeeping I have. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I want to say thank you to the Mythmaster. Um, he came in this week and he asked the interviews and he really made the Q&A session enjoyable. Plus the, the extra questions that he threw in towards the end really kind of just spun, spun everything perfectly into a nice ball. And I want to thank to all the listeners because that was a highly downloaded episode for My Public Life. And I really appreciate it because I don't see myself as an interesting individual. And when people go and, and listen to my shows and say otherwise, like, hey, you know, you're, you're worth some something to be listened to, that really makes me feel good. And I want to thank everybody that listened. I want to thank Mythmaster for helping out. And hopefully, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, there's really not much left to say. I mean, I, I feel like I pretty much covered everything in that, that amount of time. So I don't know. But, you know, you can never say never in the world of podcasting. All right, gang. Let's go ahead and jump into a regular format. That's right. We've got... Movie news, TV news, a cartoon news, a comic book news, and a toy of the week. That's right. We are back into a regular routine. So earlier this year, it was released, the, the trailer to the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. 
And the public just freaked out because Sonic looked freaky. And I agree, he did look freaky. Now, I will also go and say that even if they didn't go in and spend an extra, I don't know, what, a million dollars or something like that for CGI fixes, I would have seen the movie anyway because I was one of those kids back in the 90s that played Sonic the Hedgehog when it first came out on the Sega Genesis. I would have watched it anyway, but they wanted to make the fans happy. And I appreciate that because most of the time, most movie studios don't really care about the, the initial fan. They care about the moviegoer and, you know, the, the box office total. So they, of course, the fans had a, a, a big fit about this and uh, they went back in, they made the fix. Well, today, they released the new Sonic the Hedgehog trailer fixes the problem of the first. And I did watch it, and I totally agree. It does look like Sonic from the game. Now, I mean, they, they got to as much as they can because there's just some things in, in the game and even the cartoon that just would not work visually in a live-action cartoon. Now, like example is and i'm looking at a picture and i'm, I'm going to read this like i always do but you know there's there's a, a separation between the eyes and if you ever look at sonic the hedgehog game and this is just off memory but there was no separation between the eyes it was always like one big <laughs> one big eye with two pupils um you would have to go look at the original design for sonic the hedgehog but, I mean, other than something like that, just that wouldn't work visually in a live-action film, he looks like Sonic. And I, I think that they did a really good job. Uh, let's see. So I kind of threw the title in there. It is Sonic, New Sonic the Hedgehog Trailer Fixes the Problem of the First. And it says, Following the outcry over the design of the video game icon with its human-like physique and shutter teeth, Paramount Pictures went back to the drawing board with Sonic the Hedgehog. And now, the studio has released a new trailer, officially debut, the new design, which appears to have taken the criticism to heart. And yeah, you can. You can totally tell and see that they did. They did a really good job. However, it's not merely the design that changed. The tr new trailer shifts the focus of the title characters voiced by Ben Schwartz giving his personality and the abilities far more screen time while Jim Carrey's villainous Dr. Robotnik plays more of a supporting role. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It says Paramount is clearly determined to show that it has gotten Sonic right on the second try as the trailer is nearly three minutes long and shows the adorable blue hedgehog in range of setting. This is no mere proof of concept. And, yeah, I mean, and, and it opens up, incidentally, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. I think that was, eh, you know, you take your sweetheart, go see Sonic's the Hedgehog. That'll be fun. Um... You know, like I we had mentioned, Sonic is being voiced by Ben Schwartz, and Jim Carrey is Dr. Robotnik. James Madison, who was the original Cyclops and the you know the first strand of X-Men movies, will be in it. Uh, Neil McDonald, Adam Pally, and Natisha Roswell. So you check that out. That'll be cool. I, I'm I'm also Something that I missed the first time I watched it, and my son actually brought it to my attention, was that the they, the location of where he was at was changed in this trailer. He's now in the Green Hills. He's literally running the loops from the video games, which I thought was absolutely cool. Um, and you can go check that out on YouTube, or pretty much just go to Google and type in, you know, new Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. It is three minutes long, but it's it's very entertaining. So if it's anything like, you know, foreshadowing how good the movie will be, then it's going to be a good movie to come. 
you know, I, I didn't realize this. I just kind of realized this as I was pulling up the second news article. Um, this is very animation heavy because, you know, that was an animated movie. And now we're getting into the, the cartoon portion of this. And I, I saw it. I didn't even read it. I just saw the animation. And I was like, oh, let's talk about this just because how good the animation is. And it is title. First Scoob trailer reveals Scooby and Shaggy's origin story. And, of course, it's in that CGI-type style, but they still look like Shaggy and Scooby, which is really cool. So let's take a look and see what the the write-up says. It says, Warner Brothers has released the first teaser trailer for Scoob, S-C-O-O-B, explanation point. Revealing the origin story of how Scooby-Doo and Shaggy became best friends. Raggy? <laughs> Sorry. I, I do that for my kids sometimes. She likes it. Uh, okay. Back to back to Reed. <laughs> uh, I'm a nerd. I can't help it. Okay. The trailer also shows how the duo met fellow detective Fred, Velma, and Daphne to form Mystery Incorporated. After a brief introduction by Scooby-Doo and Shaggy inside a movie theater, the trailer opens to a young Shaggy eating his lunch at a bench when Scooby walks up. Shaggy offers the pup half his sandwich, therefore forming an inseparable bond, which is absolutely adorable because they don't mention that this scene is a... A young Shaggy and young Scooby. Um, he's a pup, so they they that right up missed it. But yeah, um, it's it's a very cute trailer. Also, it says next an officer walks up claiming Scooby to be a stray dog. The quickly thinking Shaggy must must be Shaggy before he walked the green mile, huh? Never mind. That that was that was bad humor. It was funny humor, but it was bad humor. Uh, the quick-thinking Shaggy is able to come up with Scooby-Doo's name right off the spot, sparing the dogs, the doggy detective, a trip to the local pound. Later, Scooby and Shaggy come across their Mister Incorporated member Fred, Velma, and Daphne while they're all out for Halloween. A trip to one haunted house leads the gang to their greatest mystery. And they're abducted by aliens. Sure, why not? Scoob is directed by Tony Severa and written by Kelly Front Freeman. Freeman. Furman? It's F-R-E. So is that fur or free? Mon. But it looks very good. And let's see. It says it is due out to hit theaters. May 15th, 2020. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that one more time. But yeah, it's uh, it looks really cute. Um, you know, I, everybody everybody's growing up with Scooby-Doo at this point. Everybody knows Scooby-Doo. So hopefully this will be a good, non-political, non-agenda directive cartoon. There's just, um, yeah. You know, speaking of which, I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. Um, so my son, he just turned 18, and he wanted to to watch a movie that came out. And it was it came out before it was his 18th birthday, but um, it's the movie he wanted to watch. Uh, it was... Terminator Dark Fate. Now, I he liked it. Uh, and it was the very first Terminator that he's ever seen. So he didn't really have much of a, you know, anything to go off of. Um, so that's why he enjoyed it, I feel. that. But for me, I, I just didn't enjoy it. And it seems like the the initial audience itself kind of feels that way too. And I come across, and it's at the digitalspy.com, 
And it says, why Terminator Dark Fate flopped at the box office. Now, I'm going to say something before I read this, and, and I apologize if it offends you. It's my personal opinion, but it is what it is. The numbers show it. You know, math does not lie. Okay? You, you, you look at the math. If it's correct, it's correct. Math has no discrimination to it. And it, it, Dark Fate is one of those movies that are kind of like in the same vein as the, the female Ghostbusters and, say, like Ocean's 13. Um, you know, it just had that... that uh, the feminist agenda to it. And I know that probably upset a lot of people, but, you know, it is what it is. And now, number one, let me back up a little bit. I did like the female Ghostbusters. I did like it. It was it was cute, and I, I thought it was well done. Um, but it, it did not touch the original and the reason why it did not touch the original is because it did not have anything to do with the original characters the chemistry between the characters is what made that movie regardless if they were male or female those characters made the movie now if they would have made the female characters those the the female version of those characters i think they would have done better but that's just my opinion, and I think that's where they went down that same road with Dark Fate because it was very feminine um, driven. And I again, I apologize. You can you can you're always free to email me and tell me I suck. You know, I, I get at least I get a handful uh, at least once a month. So. You're more than welcome to to write me and tell me that I'm I'm all these horrible things. That's not out of the blue. I I do get that, um, but I'm just putting out my my opinion as a moviegoer, as someone who pays my money to watch a movie. That's just my opinion. Now, with that being said, it flopped at the box office, and this is according to Digital Spy. This is why Terminator Dark Fate flopped at the box office. Okay, so this is what it says. Terminator Dark Fate did not get over the best of starts at the box office, but there was always the hope that it could improve with the good word of mouth. The sequel has been best received outing the Terminator series since Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So while fans could have been put out seeing it on opening weekend by recent movies in the series, they might have been persuaded by decent review. Sadly, the movie seemed condemned to its own dark fate as it currently stands at 199.2 million worldwide. Having opened pretty much everywhere, it dropped 63% in the United States over a slow weekend of release, and it looks set to end its run under $300 million worldwide. But Terminator Dark Fate proved such a flop despite being a genuinely good Terminator outing. Arguably, the biggest factor is the franchise itself. Even the most diehard Terminator fan had been burned too many times already. Terminator 3 Rise of the Machine, which coincidentally, is my favorite version of the Terminator's movie so far. That was my favorite one. Received mixed response. But that was positively growing compared to the reception that Terminator Salvation, which was absolutely horrible, horrible. Um, that was just dumb. And Terminator Genesis... I didn't like how they 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 made uh, John Connor. Well, sh shoot, this one the last the last one they literally killed John Connor as a kid. Spoilers. So yeah, uh, 
Yeah, I, I keep reading. Genesis was meant to be a fresh start after Salvation's disappointment, yet turn out to be even more of a mess. Yes, Dark Fate ignored all three previous movies, but the prospect of another reboot only four years after the previous one wasn't exactly exciting. They got it wrong before, after all, three times. If any movie needs some early buzz momentum, it was Dark Fate. However, reviews were not so kind and kind of under the radar until opening day in the UK, which was October 23rd, with social reactions allowing a couple of days earlier on October 21st. Audiences were too suave. Suave, good grief. Too savvy nowadays to be fully swayed by the early reactions, which more often than not are usually positive. The lack of reviews essentially in the associated with the struggling franchise only served to convince audiences that we had another Terminator dud on our hands. That it didn't turn out to be so rendered irrelevant by the fact that a large majority of audience would have already made up their minds. The reactions of the reviews promised that the best Terminator sequels since T2 weren't persuasive enough given the low bar set by the previous movies. You know, here's the thing, guys. It, 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 uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get out of this. This, this is just one of those things that, you know, or, okay. Let's scratch that. Let me just keep going in, in this next piece. I think is going to explain more to what I was going to say, but I think it articulates it better. And it reads, <clears throat> excuse me, it reads, it could also argue that Dark Fate was never going to set the box office alight, with none of the previous three Terminator movies crossing 500 million worldwide. Terminator Genesis King the closest with $440.6 million, but that was a skew by a 113 million gross in China with a reported budget of 185 million dollars not including market spend dark fate was already facing an uphill challenge to be profitable it needed to be or it needed to come close across the must see event and unfortunately its big budget sci-fi action just isn't as distinctive as it once was. Now, I'm going to leave it right there because it, it, was, it wasn't a Terminator movie. It did not feel like a Terminator movie. And, you know, unfortunately, bad news travels quicker than good news. And a lot of people that I've spoken with that have seen the movie agree that they just did not like it. It was not a Terminator movie. They they had Terminator. Okay, and I'll post this obviously um, in the the beginning of. Actually, I'll post it in the uh, commentary part, and or yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's it's midnight. My brain's not working. Um, so it'll say spoilers. So. They have the Terminator come back right after T2. He kills John Connor, the young boy John Connor. Now, the CGI on that was absolutely amazing. It, it looked like it was shot back in the 1990s. It really did. It looked like a young Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it looked like a, a young Linda Hamill. And uh, I can't think of the kid's name. The guy who played uh, John Connor in T2. It looked like him. It really did. I bought it. I totally bought it. But he, okay, so that's how it opens. He gets killed, okay? Then you jump in, and these two come back, and there's the woman who is kind of like, uh, she's taking, oh, my God, what's his name? Uh, Reese, Kyle Reese. 
she's coming back. She's the warrior. She's good. She's Kyle Reese. And then a Hispanic Terminator, which is kind of like uh, a, a T-100 covered with the T-1000, which just didn't really mesh in my head right. And he was very, very thin. He wasn't fit. I mean, he was healthy, but he wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger fit, which doesn't quite comprehend as to why. Why did they change the design? You know, these these are uh, these are computers that have a mind of its own, so they should have a perfect idea right out the gate. Now we know in today's PC world, it was all about diversity. And, you know, because they, they were trying to make it a diverse world, but it did not translate because he, he just did not translate as a threat like Arnold Schwarzenegger did back in Terminator or Terminator 2. Now, of course, you can argue the fact that um, Robert Patrick, is his name Robert Patrick? I believe it's Robert Patrick, the guy who played uh, T-1000 and, and T-2. You know, he wasn't that big in Terminator, but they used him and they they used his transformation of character and the weaponries that he could turn into. That's what made him a threat. And this TX thingy just didn't have that a feel to it. And and it just that and then they had the T one hundred Arnold Schwarzenegger. After he kills John Connor, he realizes he has nothing to do. He has no purpose. So he finds a woman, right? And she's a single mom, and he essentially marries her. He becomes a diaper cleaner. He starts his own diaper cleaning business. He marries this woman and raises – I'm not kidding. This is in the movie. This is part of the movie. And raises – the, her kid as his stepson until it was time for him to uh, pick up his gun and go kill people again. And he pretty much told her he'll never be back. So there you go. And the, to me, that's why it, it, it flopped. Not because of, you know, it wasn't promoted properly. It was promoted properly. It was. It was just, it was a bad movie. And, you know, if I go and say to Johnny down the road, hey, this movie sucked, they're not likely going to go see it. you know. And the more reputation that you have with people that know that you have the same taste in movies, you know. So, for example, I didn't like Terminator, but you did, right? So, when I tell you I don't like the next movie that I come across that don't like... You're not going to listen to me, right? But if you agree with me, okay, and you listen to this and you're like, yeah, you're totally right on the button. So if I say the next movie, okay, for example, on my son's birthday, we all went and seen Midway, right? That is the movie of 2019. That movie was so damn good. It really was. It was the. It is the best movie of 2019. I really believe that. So if you agree with me on the Terminator idea, then you're likely to agree with me that Midway was a great movie. So you're more inclined to go see Midway, right? So now, if you don't agree with me with the Terminator... Where do you stand with Midway? You're going like, eh, you know, I'll just stay clear of it altogether, you know. And that's just how it works. Word of mouth. It's a powerful thing. It really is. It still is. After all these years. All right, let's see. I'm getting off my rant. <clears throat> let's go to Let's see. We still got a couple more things to talk about. Let's talk about the powerhouse that is Disney Plus. Holy cow. What? I mean, gee, mini Christmas. What was it? Like hundreds of millions of people signed up in the first day. Now, 
I signed up. I did. I have it. I'm, I've watched it. Uh, my daughter and I, we watched the, the Lady and the Tramp live action version. Thought it was a great movie. Um, really enjoyed it. And I haven't had a chance to watch Mandalorians yet, but I really want to. I've been super busy. We're probably going to hit it this weekend. So what I'm bringing up here is my son brought this to me, my attention, that there was a rumor that Disney Plus was cutting out offensive scenes from older movies. You know? Uh, but then this article came out, and it's it, it kind of countered that. And it said, Disney Plus does not cut offensive scenes from classic movies. And that's a good thing, in my opinion, because it is what it is. You know, times have changed. And you learn from your mistakes, right? So stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to be PC. Because back then, in the 1930s, there was no PC culture. There was, it just wasn't. And that represents, and I, I use 1930s because I, um, of, uh, oh, what's that one movie that came out? But it came out in the 1930s. So I'm rambling. <laughs> All right, let's just see what Disney says here. It says, Disney produced animated films for families to enjoy since 1930s. A different era shaped by different values. Those antiquity values have become increasingly apparent in some Disney older films, including the beloved classics such as Dumbo, Lady and the Tramp, and Fantasia. Since the announcement of Disney Plus streaming service, the sizable library rumored circulated that offensive content would be edited or removed entirely. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. All the old classics are available in their entirety, with both heartwarming moments and racist, racist undertone intact. That, that's not to say that Disney has chosen to completely ignore the concerns of many fans. Accompanying the description of each film is a brief warning that reads, This program is presented in its original created. It contains outdated cultural depiction. Oh my gosh. Uh, I didn't catch that. That's funny. And there are some screenshots here of, you know, it, where it's, it's saying the, the cultural, outdated cultural depiction. And then it says, it goes on, there are limitations to what Disney and the audience are willing to accept. Film for which a simple disclaimer is not suffice. The highly controversial film Sing, Song of the South is notably absent from the streaming service. The live-action musical has been subject to controversy for decades owing to its offensive depiction of African Americans as well as the glorification of slavery. Disney Plus is now available in the United States and will launch November 19th in Australia, New Zealand, with content from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographics. And like I said, I have it, and I love it. And I, I'm i not one of those offensive. I don't offend very easily. Um, so I enjoy all the content on there. And I think that it should be left alone, because it is part of movie history. So there you go. All right, gang, let's go ahead and hit this last news topic as we've gone through and, and hit movie and TV show, cartoon, and now we're going to hit a comic book, and it says, Batman, I'm Batman. Let me see if I can read this in, in the Batman voice. Batman just teamed with one of the, his rogues. To fight a common enemy. I'm Batman. That was bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, it says, 
the obligatory warning. Warning! The following article contains spoilers for Detective Comics 1015. Wow, that just blows my mind seeing those kind of numbers. Alright, let me scroll down here and see who did that. It is written by Peter J. Tasami, Doug Mankey, M-A-H-N-K-E, and Jose Luis, Keith Champagne, Christian Almy, Mark Irwin, Matt Santorini, David Barron, and Rob Lee. On sale now. And the article reads, Thanks to some help from the powered-up Lex Luthor, longtime Batman villain Mr. Freeze was given something he never had thought out his entire criminal career, the means to cure his wife. Victor Freeze is a different, different than your usual Batman villains because his criminal activities aren't done for chaos or personal gain. His goal has always been to find a cure for his ailing wife, after which he would finally be able to thaw her, resume the relationship, and put the Mr. Freeze gun down for good. Now, I'm not being picky. I'm just pointing out something, that the fact that he's trying to save his wife is for personal gain. Just wanted to say that. That's all. It says, no thanks to Luther, Freeze is closer than ever before to achieving his goal. His wife is awake, and she is cured. Now, she is like him. The ice blue, or ice cold blue skin, armored red goggles. The so-called Mrs. Freeze now stands by her husband's side as the couple begin wreaking havoc on Gotham City, so they may set themselves up financially. However, in Detective Comics 1015, or 1015, everyone, everything goes wrong for Mr. Freeze. Before he can have his happily ever after, a dangerous Mrs. Freeze leaves him behind to become a solo act. Now, with no other option, Freeze turns to his only person who he can help. The Dark Knight. As Mr. and Mrs. Freeze terrorize Gotham, Batman is busy trying to save the lives of the frozen victims. However, despite all of this, Lucius and Alfred's hard work, they simply can't find a way to save the lives of everyone currently frozen. Thankfully, the answer finally arrives when Freeze himself turns on the Bat-Signal and contacts Batman. Unfortunately for him, the serum provided by Lex Luthor wasn't exactly stable. As the result, Nora is growing succeedingly violent, irrational, and dangerous. He points out that his wife has come to enjoy the violence of crime. And while he wishes nothing more than a retired with his funds they have now secured, Nora has plans of her own. It turns out she has no interest in simply being one half of the criminal duo. Instead, she leaves her husband behind and hatches her own scheme to destroy Gotham City. With Nora now a danger to herself and others, Freeze strikes a bargain with Batman. In exchange for Batman's help in finding Nora, he will give him the means to cure and save all the recent victims. Now Batman and Mr. Freeze form an unlikely alliance whose sole purpose is to take out Mrs. Freeze, the newest member of the Batman Rogue Gallery. As Detective Comics 1015 comes to an end, Mr. Freeze and Batman stand side by side, the Dark Knight once again sporting his Mr. Freeze Buster suit, armed with both fire and ice, this new team is now ready to take on Mrs. Freeze. Detective Comics 1016 goes on sale November 27th, 2019. So there you go, kids. Uh, let's, let's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of an interesting twist, isn't it? After all these years, him trying to save his wife, and his wife betrays him. That's, that's an interesting twist. Very interesting. 
All right, gang, we've got one more thing to do, and then I'm going to send you home. And each and every week, we, well, each and every week when we do a regular (laughs) episode, we look at the best toy action figure that I can find. And typically, I find it at the Big Bad Toy Story store. I always say story. I'm sorry. It's not Toy Story. This isn't Disney. It's the Big Bad Toy Store, which is at www.bigbadtoystore.com. There you go. And this week, we take a look. We go back. Now, I've been a Transformers fan from the get-go. In fact, to tell you what kind of Transformers fan I am... I my dog's name is Optimus Prime and my cat's name is King Megatron. That is not a joke. That's what kind of Transformers fan I am. So as I was looking through this week's uh, toy of the week, I, I stumbled across this, and I was just like, oh my gosh! I again another one that I would like to maybe put on my Christmas list as Christmas is coming around the corner for me. And this week it is Transformers Masterpiece MP3 Soundwave with Laserbeak. That is right. They've brought back Soundwave. And, oh my gosh, it is just absolutely gorgeous. It is the traditional looking Soundwave. It is Laserbeak, the red, silver, and black Laserbeak. And let's just take a couple look at the pictures. And he can literally push the button you know the eject button like back in the 80s and there's if you've watched the original cartoons he he always had the the energon cubes attached to his his eject and there's a, a a picture of an energon cube connected to his eject face and it's really awesome i'm trying not to geek out too bad and then another great shot of him. Uh, looks like his right hand can be traded out as a blaster too, which is pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, close up of him ejecting, and it and it looks like and it is. It's uh, laser beak can literally fold up into a cassette tape like the old school, and it comes up. And let's see, he does transform into a radio. Just like old school. That is so cool. And then we're looking at Laserbeak as he transforms. And he can go into as a, a tape. And we're looking at his blasters. And that is good. Okay, let's take a look at what the product description is this week. It says, please, ner- please note. Sorry about that, guys. Insert for Soundwave's chest plate are found on the last page of the instruction booklet. Okay. Interesting. Decepticon MP13 Soundwave Transformers or transforms into the classic tape depth mode and is much bigger than the original G1 version. Oh, really? I remember I had the old G1 version, and it was like the size of... Um, now, some of you guys may not know this because, you know... You just it was gone by the time you guys were born. But a Walkman, it was legitimately the size of a Walkman. Uh, that's the one I had. So this one's bigger. It says his chest compartment opens and is scaled to accommodate an original G1 and new masterpiece mini cassette, including his Condor Classic. He features a spring-loaded panel inside his compartment to allow up to three cassettes at once. Oh, wow. Soundwave includes a blaster, a non-firing rocket launcher, and unlike the G1 toy, they can be stored in the back instead of becoming batteries. Okay, that's cool. With his tape deck mode. That is cool. I like that. He also comes with a wrist-mounted sensor, has integrated speakers from his forearm, and is compatible Megatron gun. 
Oh, yeah, because, you know, Megatron would always transform into the gun and he would shoot him. Okay, I missed, missed that picture. Um, an empty Energon cube, which I was just talking about, that you can plug onto the chest panel. And a grid pattern display that fits over the chest door. Decepticon MP13 Masterpiece Laser Beak Transforms from Bot to Cassette or Bird and can perch on the tabs of Soundwave's shoulder and forearms. Product features a 12-inch, yeah, it says 12 inches, 30.5 centimeters, made of plastic and die-cast. From the Transformer Generation series, features Decepticon Soundwave and Laserbeaks as articulated figures, reissue of original G1 figures, Soundwave transforms from robot to classic tape deck. Laserbeak transforms from bird to mini cassette. Soundwave includes a condor with this case, Energon cube with lid, display panel, concussion blaster, non-firing rocket launcher, Megatron gun with scope, silencer and stock, and a sensor. Laserbeak includes a pink cassette case in which he can fit inside in cassette mode and can perch on Soundwave's shoulder or forearm. Includes instructions. Instructions may or may not include English translation. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, uh, I'm sure you could probably find it online though. Box contents. The MP13 Masterpiece Soundwave figure, Condor with case, Energon cube with lid, display panel, concussion blaster, rocket launcher, Megatron gun, scope, silencer, and stock, sensor, MP3 Masterpiece Laserbeak figure, cassette case, and instructions. And it is, let's see. It is, this one is only $149.99, um, and that is for standard shipping grade. If you want to go collectors, you throw an extra six bucks on there, and it'll be, what, $155.99, which is totally worth it if you see it. Oh my gosh, it is absolutely great. You can go to the bigbadtoystore.com. And type in Transformers Masterpiece MP-13 Soundwave with Laserbeak. And it is absolutely gorgeous. It's by, uh, let's see if I pronounce this right, Takara Tomi. Uh, and it's just, it's gorgeous. And it's it's worth $149. Bucks. And I, I actually, oh, I don't know. I dropped the money on those Halloween 3 figures i don't know about this one I, I might have to wait for christmas we'll see what happens all right gang thank you so much for coming in i hope you guys have a great weekend uh we will be back on track this wednesday with another regular scheduled program of the show uh so everybody have a great weekend i will see you wednesday so for my public life as an american nerd i am david k montoya and as always I bid you adieu.